Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide with you this day as we continue in our series about miracles. Today we see two very different contexts, actually kind of three different contexts in which healing takes place by the power of Christ. Two in our gospel reading and one in that reading that was chosen from Acts chapter 3, where people are healed by the power of God at work. The first one is in Gentile territory, and the second back by the Sea of Galilee. And it's important to recognize those two contexts, and we'll get into more of that uh, as we go. We desire healing. COVID-19 now is just part of our vocabulary, right? Or just COVID. And, And we talk about it probably almost every day, because it's affecting so much of our lives. We've been praying for a cure, for a vaccine, for people who've been exposed or infected. We've been, we've been praying that there would be healing, that, that there would be a solution to this global pandemic. Now, some of our prayers have been answered yes. We've seen some healed through this time, through this disease, some people who've contracted it, who have recovered. But not all of our prayers have been answered, or at least not in the way that that we desire. But there's more in our lives than coronavirus and COVID-19. There's other illnesses, there's other diseases, there are other sicknesses, there's other conditions from which we need relief or healing. From what do you or someone you know need healing? healing. It's common in our, in our time of prayer to bring healing requests before God. We know people who are in pain, people who are dealing with illness, people who are dealing with some kind of disease or sickness or surgery or recovery that's needed. And, and so we know these, these deep needs and we voice them before our Lord in hope and in faith, that God will heal, as is done in these readings today. Throughout this miracle series, we see that Jesus brings the kingdom to earth. The kingdom of God is around Jesus, like surrounding him in a way that, that makes it different, makes the environment around Jesus different from what our experience is. We live in a world that is broken, that is sinful, that is destructive, that is destined to decay. And that's our norm. This is what we're used to. But when Jesus shows up, the world around him is not subject to all of the same decay and and breakdown. And the, the rules change, right, where Jesus is. And his power then demonstrates his identity. And that's what we see through these miracles that Jesus does, that that he is God, that he is sovereign, that he is in control and able to do things we would not even expect, we would not even imagine. That Jesus does things, and that helps us to recognize who he is and glorify God for his power. At the end of our reading from Matthew chapter 15, in verse 31, It says this, the crowd wondered. 
The crowd wondered, those who were gathered around, who had brought the sick and the lame, and, and they put them near Jesus, and he healed them. And the crowd wondered, when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. When we recognize who Jesus is in his power and in his authority, it glorifies the God of Israel. Similarly, in Acts chapter 3, the man who went walking and leaping and praising God was glorifying the God of Israel, the God of, the God of us. The triune God being glorified by the recognition of his power. See, Jesus healed the sick, released those oppressed by demons. So we know who Jesus is by what he does. We know that his nature is powerful and gracious. He can act with just a word, be it done for you. Or a touch as he touched the the blind man's eyes, and and even with the the spit and the mud that he made and touched the blind man's eyes, he touched the lepers and healed them. But then there are other times when people just get near Jesus and they're healed. They just touch the hem of his robe and are healed. And those are the ones that are even more striking. Because it's not, it, it's not Jesus, I mean, it's Jesus in his power and in his glory doing the healing. But people could just touch him, people could just get near him, and they would receive this, this power, this healing. But here's what we know, the kingdom is not yet fully realized. Jesus brought the kingdom, but it's not yet complete. From our experience, we recognize this, we know this. The day is coming, Revelation 21 talks about it, when there will be no more illness or disease or pain. Oh, we look forward to that day. Until then, we have to wait, and we don't always get what we ask for. God is with us, God is for us, and his nature is consistent. But in the the pain that we might experience in the brokenness of this world and of our lives sometimes, the brokenness of our bodies sometimes, it's easy to get confused. It's easy to get turned around about who God is and even his nature. And actually, that's what's happening in our text today. When I was growing up, um, I took piano lessons for a number of years. My sister and I would both um, go to uh, a house where our piano teacher lived, and she had this um, living room and a grand piano in the living room, and that's where she gave lessons. And so we would go in there, the two of us, and so my sister would have a lesson, I would have a lesson. While she was having hers, uh, there was this round coffee table, and on it there were a stack of children's books. And, and so I remember going through all those books. There was some you know, cat-in-the-hat books and um, all those ones that kind of look similar with like the cat in the hat on the, on the spine at the top. And I remember reading, one of them was a Bernstein Bears book that I remember, at least the title, I don't remember 
any of the story, but the title was Inside, Outside, Upside Down. And there's a lot of that going on in Matthew chapter 15. Inside, outside, upside down. See, Jesus' mission and identity are connected to Israel. For God's own plans and purposes, he chose some people, some specific people, Abraham, and then his descendants who received these promises and prophecies that there would be a savior, that there would be a king. And the titles that the woman who interacts with Jesus in the heart of our gospel reading for today, that that woman uses titles of Lord and of Son of David, and those are true titles that identify Jesus for who he is. That Son of David title, we can find that in the very first words of Matthew's gospel in chapter 1, verse 1 of this same text. It identifies Jesus as Son of David. And it's important identity as a descendant of David who will fulfill the role of, of the promised king. As a son of Abraham, a person of Israel who would be that one from Abraham's descendants who would bless the world. So there are some people who are on the inside. Insiders. Those who share the ethnicity of, of Jesus in his humanness, was born into the house of Israel. And so there's this group of of religious elite called the Pharisees who are the ultimate insiders in Jesus' day. They were the ones who were in charge of Israel, and and it was in a way that they they controlled the, the religious state of affairs And for Israel, somewhat the political state of affairs. Now, at that time, the Romans were occupying Israel, so it was a bit different. But but the Pharisees, for the Jewish people, were the ultimate insiders. And that's important. It's important in the context of what's happening here. Even though Jesus is in Gentile territory, the connection with the Pharisees, keep that in mind. But recognize this, Jesus' mission doesn't conform to common expectations. The Pharisees accused Jesus of hanging out with the wrong crowds pretty often. Who is this guy eating with sinners? Who is this guy hanging out with tax collectors? With Gentiles? Wow. With Romans. And in this context, a Canaanite woman. Even the disciples were unsure of who should or could be included. If some are on the inside, who is on the outside? If some are connected to Jesus automatically because of race, background, were born into this relationship, what about the others? And it's a lingering question in the minds of the disciples Because they're insiders. They're connected now to Jesus in a different way. But Jesus uses this opportunity to upend expectations, to turn things upside down, to flip things on their head like he often does. Jesus seizes an opportunity to show people how wrong 
they had it. That their expectations were not founded on his nature or on who he is, but really on tradition and on reason and our senses and the things that make sense to us and and what we would expect for Jesus to do and be about. He could have healed the daughter as 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 soon as the woman cried out, right? Jesus could have. She was close enough in his presence, and she was calling out, you know, Lord, son of David, my daughter's oppressed by this demon. Will you heal her? He didn't respond. That's in verse 23. That Jesus didn't answer her at all. He could have done it when the disciples asked. In the text, it's, it's a little subject to interpretation, but I, I read a commentary about it, and I think this makes a lot of sense. Because the disciples come and ask Jesus to send the woman away. Right. And he answers the disciples, right, answers the disciples, and the way that he answers that means the disciples weren't just asking that he send her away, like chase her off, but give her what she wants to get rid of her. (laughs) Have you seen that happen before? Where just to keep someone from causing a scene, from making a a ruckus, that the, the, the person is satisfied so that they will leave that they have a request, and, you know, maybe, maybe at a restaurant or something, and the manager comes over, and, and there's, you know, maybe a scene starting, and the manager says, well, okay, we'll, we'll just comp your meal, so basically to keep you quiet so you'll, so you'll go. And in some ways, that must be what Jesus is being asked by the disciples. Take care of her and send her away, because she will not leave us alone. Otherwise, Jesus' response that he was sent to the children of Israel, that doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense how he responds if the disciples say, get rid of her, then why would Jesus respond, well, I was only sent to the, to the children of Israel? That's what he says, though. Now, keeping in mind the context, actually just to, to have a bit more of it, and understand it. The first eight verses of this chapter, pretty much immediately preceding this scene, at least the way that Matthew describes it, there's this interaction between the Pharisees, these ultimate insiders, and Jesus about his disciples. See, they were eating with unwashed hands, and to the Pharisees, that was offensive that they should have washed before eating. And and so the Pharisees were accusing Jesus and his disciples of this gross error of eating with unwashed hands. In verse 8, Jesus is quoting Isaiah when he says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in that context, after that interaction, with that in mind, Jesus then goes into Gentile territory. He's been in the northern part of Israel, up near the Sea of Galilee, and so then he goes further north. Further north, up, up near Tyre and Sidon. 
into this Gentile territory where he's then interacting with this woman. His disciples have come with him, but in their, in their minds still is ringing this accusation by the Pharisees, and Jesus responds. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus gave the woman an opportunity to demonstrate her faith. That it wasn't just identifying Jesus with maybe titles that she'd heard or words that she heard about this one. You know, here comes the miracle worker. Identify him with this word. Call him Lord or Son of David, and he'll give you what you want. Was that what was going on for her? Jesus already knew, right? Jesus knew if she believed or not. In his divinity, he knew her heart, but the disciples certainly did not. They wanted her to get what she wanted just so she'd be quiet. (laughs) But there was an opportunity for the disciples to learn something. The conversation about dogs and bread follows that. And wow, that's tough. Because Jesus sounds completely rude and insensitive, right? Verse 26. He answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But the woman agrees and recognizes leftovers are more than enough. Demonstrating that she believed that what Jesus had to offer, even if she just got a morsel, even if she just got a crumb, was more than enough to meet her need. So who's in? Those who have faith, regardless of their background, that's who's in. Who's out? Those who have expectations or think they have some claim on Jesus because of a tradition, an ethnicity, a history in their family tree. That's who's out. If that's the only connection and relationship, whose expectations are upside down? Well, most of us at some point probably expect things about Jesus or things from Jesus that are upside down. But God offers grace to all. Crowds were fed. Strangers were healed. Gentiles received Jesus. In the book of Matthew, who identifies Jesus as the Son of God, as the Savior? Not the insiders. Not once the Pharisees. But outsiders. Magi a centurion, a Canaanite woman, and by the cross, a soldier, a Roman. We were outsiders by our family backgrounds, most of us. And we were certainly outsiders by our sins, separated from God for eternity, but by His grace, He offers for us all an opportunity for a relationship with him through the cross of Christ, through the forgiveness of our sin, through the grace that he extends to us. Only God bridges that divide between us and him through Jesus. 
through whom we can present our requests to God and we can receive from his abundance. Receive from his abundance. What do you need? What do you need? Do you need healing? Do you need relief? We can ask God. We can seek him in prayer, in faith. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13, says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. He goes on to say, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. James goes on to to connect that more with the forgiveness of sin than with a physical healing necessarily. But the power of Jesus is at work in us and in our lives and through our prayers, and we can ask God for what we need. What do you need? In a few minutes, we were gonna, we'll bring our prayers before God. What do, what do you need? As we pray, we can express faith and trust. From the mouth, demonstrating faith and honoring God. A Canaanite woman in Gentile territory expressed a faith in Jesus. It's striking. This foreigner would know him, would trust him, would come to him. She was blessed, her needs were met. By the gate, as two of the apostles were walking along, In the book of Acts, so Jesus was already ascended, and he receives healing through faith in Jesus. Through this faith that led him to walk and leap and praise God. Express faith and trust. From the heart, trusting in God, in his power, his timing, and his goodness. Yes, Lord, a crumb is enough. A morsel is plenty. And receive what he gives. Receive what he gives. And it's difficult because sometimes we get what we need. The woman's daughter was healed. Many others. The rest of that gospel reading that we had, going up to verse 31, Jesus went back to the Sea of Galilee, and and crowds brought to him the sick, and they were healed. They got what they needed. Sometimes we get what we want. We receive what we ask for. We receive blessing and even beyond. Sometimes we get what we want. But sometimes, and this is what makes it challenging is that God's answer is no or not yet. And that's hard to understand. That's hard for us to fully comprehend. But for his purposes, maybe to help us grow, maybe to help us learn something, he might tell us not yet. We don't always get to know why. We don't always get to know why 
Some receive a healing and a miracle, and some do. And maybe you've known someone who's had a diagnosis, and it was cancer, and they were convinced that this person was going to be weeks or months to live, and weeks or months later, there was no evidence of cancer. Maybe you've heard of that story, and I know there's at least one connected to this congregation. So some receive these miraculous blessings of healing and restoration even now, even today. But not everyone does. The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, describes a thorn in his flesh. And he cried out to the Lord to have it removed. But the answer of the Lord was, my grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient when we don't get what we desire. Even what we feel we need. His grace is sufficient for us so that we can still give him glory, so we can still honor him, so we can still praise him for his power, for his grace. We can continue to believe in this God who has all the power, who brings the kingdom, and who invites us in. I wish I could say that everyone today is going to receive this healing. We'll continue to pray. We'll continue to pray in faith and in trust in our Lord. Giving him honor, not just with our lips, but with our hearts and through our lives. Amen.